question and response session uh, later this morning. Uh, we have just an hour now. Uh, we won't really have then a question and response time now. I have some feeling to share along three lines. Then you may have questions and comments about these. That would be most welcome as we're going through. I can just pause and just see if you want to comment, if you want to uh, request something about these three. I think it will be three. We'll see what actually happens. And uh, in 1968, in the spring, early spring, uh, I had been in the recovery now for only a year and a half, which means I had little experience. I was a beginner. I'd been married a little more than a year and a half. And so everything was a new realm to me. And Brother Lee had uh, a sister's meeting. To my knowledge, uh, and I've looked into this quite carefully, but I can't say exhaustively, he didn't have trainings for sisters. He didn't have conferences for sisters. But on occasion, he would have meetings like this. And in the collected works of Witness Lee, I'm not sure which volume, but in 1968, you have the message that I have somewhat absorbed, and it's the, bit, the starting point of this fellowship. And then since that time, we've just been learning little by little. So the first point is in the church, the sisters are a channel of life. By God's creation, and when uh, they become a new creation in Christ, what God created is now brought into resurrection. The sisters love the Lord more than brothers. They just have this capacity. So in the New Testament, when there needs to be an illustration of love, it's not with a man. A man didn't come in and crush the alabaster flask. No, it's, it's with a woman. And even the Lord said that wherever the gospel is preached, what she did will be mentioned. So here you have the uh, extraordinary capacity for love of the Lord. And again, by creation, uplifted by regeneration, the sisters overall are deeper than brothers. And they are able, and the Lord is able with them to just touch the depths of God through the Spirit and to have a deep constitution of the Christ whom they love and experience. And, uh, and they also are more experiential. You see this, to me, delightfully this, uh, described in, Matt, in John 20. Who goes early in the morning? Not, not the men. Who, who were the closest involved at the cross? It was the women. Who arose as early as they could to anoint the Lord's body but the women? So they discovered the tomb was empty. They were the first ones. And so Mary then went to the brothers and explained what she saw. Then Peter and Paul go running there. And then, just like typical men, they examine the evidence. Okay? Stone rolled away. Big, big stone. 
These, these women didn't do it. We don't know how. Uh, tomb, empty. Uh, grave clothes are there. Face napkin, folded up. Therefore, we conclude from the evidence that Christ is resurrected. Then they take off. Mary stays. Because she wants the Lord himself. And we know the Lord made himself known, revealed something to her they hadn't revealed to anyone else. Then she, he said, go to the brothers. Uh, you're experiencing this, and you're seeing this, and you're receiving this, but you need to be covered by the brothers. You go to the brothers. And so the sisters as vessels have the capacity out of their love for the Lord, their, their depth, their, their emphasis on experience, to have an ever-increasing, enriching experience of Christ as life. And then they become channels by their very being of that life into the church. Brother Nee, in a message on ministering life, he says, he says this, when someone touches life in a fresh way, as he was doing for years in prison later, there is no need for that person to say anything or do anything. What he or she touches flows then into the body. This is what I mean by a channel. Just as you go about your daily affairs and responsibility, being a pneumatic mom, a pneumatic grandma, your student, you're working. You know, men that work, they, and also women that work, you go to your job and you punch in and you have a lunch break and then you punch out and you can go home. But mothers, they don't have, it doesn't start, it doesn't end, it never ends. But if the sisters are just open to the Lord for him to disciple them, and they see the connection between their own personal life with the Lord and the enrichment of the church, and they will be content to be uh, hidden, to be covered, and to be a channel of life. And we know from the Lord's word in Matthew 6 about having a secret life with the Lord. He said the Father isn't secret. The Father sees in secret. The Father who sees in secret will reward you. So don't feel you have to have something that others can see and appreciate. The reality is something lived out before God and for the church. So this is an exceedingly crucial matter. And so as a brother, among many others, but as a brother uh, laboring, I depend greatly on the life supply in the body. We're not heroes. We're members of the body. And then the second matter is um, the prayer ministry of the church carried out especially through sisters. And I'll come back to this matter of the prayer ministry later uh, because I'd just like to share with you certain basic principles on, on prayer and especially the prayer needed now. And uh, maybe 40 minutes ago, I sent a text to a serving sister in the church in Anaheim and asked about the level of the prayer meeting in the present situation. I said, were the prayers powerful? Were the prayers with authority? Were there, were there prayers of warfare? And uh, she said, we prayed about this regularly, but not that way. And that indicates um, the Lord's not getting the prayer he needs. 
he will let this thing go because he established the principle we'll come back that we need to match him our prayers need to express his will and desire so the sisters again have a particular function in prayer and one example is in Acts chapter 12 now the persecution comes not just from the religion religious leaders it's from the political power the Romans so Herod begins to persecute the church and kills one of the apostles they were not very old James the brother of John was killed with the sword and Peter was imprisoned it was a great persecution so we're told at the beginning of Acts 12 that prayer was made earnestly by the church significantly by the church it didn't say by the saints by the church then what happened was that prayer we know it touched the throne because an angel appeared in the prison angels just don't go flying around and entering into prisons and checking things out they don't do this on their own they are servants so the prayer reached the throne and the throne decided this is not the time for Peter to die he'll, he'll be martyred in another way at the end of his days and so he comes in there wakes Peter up his chains fall off the doors open all the guards I don't know what they're, they're not aware of what's going on then the gate opens and Peter's on the street then the angel disappears at least from sight and Peter realizes this isn't a dream this really happened and then what does he do he goes to Mary's house Mary the mother of John why, why does the scripture mention her name what is implied it's just Yes, the whole church is praying, but once these sisters get going, they'll shake the heavens and the earth. And that indicates to me how necessary, how promising, and I believe we should view this not as an obligation, but as a ministry that is developing. It's developing. I'm not going to lay all kinds of commands on you from now on do this or that this or that like last night for some we entered into a new territory of prayer you might have never prayed commanding prayers warfare prayers prayers of authority of government but the lord needs such prayers through the church and we'll learn together okay we'll learn together don't don't analyze yourself and condemn yourself and don't promise that you will do this from now on just be willing to learn because in relation to the prayer is this and you know I learned this from Brother Lee then from experience in the churches the Lord is going to set the direction of the church through the leading brothers that's what happened in Matthew after Jesus was conceived in the womb of Mary after he was born. The Lord came to, the angel came to Mary. He didn't come to Joseph and say, Mary and Joseph, this, something's going to happen. No. The man was left out for a while. Then he realized this is from the Spirit. But after the child was born, all the direction went to Joseph. You need to go to Egypt. Now you can come back from Egypt. Wait, don't go there because of who's in power go here and so the administration and the direction of the church will be with the brothers and they will share all this with the church but the carrying out of all that the brothers I mean all 
All that the brothers are led to do depends on the life and prayer of the sisters. You implement it. You implement it. You enable it to happen. Now you know. Now you know that the church is burdened for this. And so we will pray for this. And this includes, uh, at least from time to time, the prayers of warfare. One day, I was working as usual in my office in Building 2 of the Living Stream Ministry Campus in Anaheim. And I knew that a group of um, older and mature sisters who were caring for the trainees, just shepherding them and caring for them, and once a week they met for prayer and fellowship. And then one of the sisters during their meeting came to my office. She was sent by the others with a question. Can we sisters pray prayers of spiritual warfare? We are facing a situation of a young sister that is literally life and death. And I said, yes, of course you can. You are members of the body. You can pray this way. But you need to be covered. So... We will cover you. And I will cover you. We will cover you. And they went back and, you know, I don't need a record or a recording of how they prayed. I know how they prayed. Then they could release the burden and then they turned that situation. And so you have, so the, the function of being a channel of life And this will be a developing thing. And this is mainly hidden. This is mainly personal. Uh, Sister Lee, she lived many, she was about 14 years or so younger than Brother Lee. And uh, she lived quite a long time after he went to be with the Lord. And just having her there in Anaheim and having her present in a meeting brought life, brought life. I can't recall the last time she prophesied or shared in a meeting, but just her being and her life with the Lord is releasing life continuously. And you all have this capacity And then you combine that with the prayer ministry that just, just, I'll I'll come back later to to certain aspects of prayer that will intersect with what I'm sharing. And then the third thing I would say is illustrated by something recorded in Luke chapter 8. And there we're told the Lord is journeying from city to city with the disciples. And then we're told a group of women are journeying with him. I didn't know that. I thought it was an all-men expedition. And what were they doing? They were serving. They were ministering to the Lord and, and to the brothers, I think, with their food. Maybe they mended a sandal if uh, the attachment was broken. And the point is the sisters are keenly aware of needs, of needs, of practical needs, human needs, spiritual needs. And so the Lord can witness with me when I travel. Now I travel with Tanya. I don't look to receive anything. I don't expect anything. I don't want anything. I'm just here to serve. But here I am, I'm in this country, and the sister can tell by my speaking, it seems your voice is a little weak. And so here, here is some, uh, an herb, 
And you know, if you just kind of chew on this, this is good, or this is a supplement, you know, whether I will take it or not, uh, I'll try. I'll let my wife decide what I should do because she has the authority over my body. And, and so this is just a common thing. They're aware. And then they, they meet the need. So I, I just hope that um, you would be quite content and even happy to be a sister and not lamenting, why wasn't I born a man and why can't I give messages and be an elder? And You know, you don't have to become a radical feminist in order to fulfill your nature. So these are three lines of the, of the sisters' portion in the church. Okay, I'm just pausing now. Is there anything you want to say or comment on or ask or share about anything I've covered so far? You know, this is an informal time. This is not a message. So if you want to ask something or share something. Uh, okay, then let's... I want to spend more time on the first two, uh, on the channel of life and on the, the ministry, the service of prayer. But I want to start here. And even if it turns out I don't have much time to get to the other, the main burden is here. Uh, there are, we need to understand two main aspects of prayer. There are more than that. And two kinds or two levels of prayer. And one level we see in uh, Philippians chapter 4. And there Paul, Paul says, Do not be anxious, but let your requests be made known all of them made known through your praying. In other words, anything you need, anything that concerns you, anything troubling you, any fear, any anxiety, any worry, don't, don't analyze your prayers. Is this the perfect will of God or is this the permissive will of God? Am I following the anointing or not? Just bring it, just bring the matter to the Lord. Make your requests known. Just make them known. And this is, you know, person and person to person prayer with the Lord. Lord, this whatever is on your heart, any one of your children, any situation you're aware of, we just Make it known to the Lord. And and a verse from Peter that strengthens this is in First Peter chapter five. And he says, you know, we should be humbled under the mighty hand of God. And then he says, Cast all your anxieties on God, for it matters to him concerning you. And so we need to have a time of personal prayer where we can just pray about our own life with the Lord. But we want the Lord to do in us, to grow in us, to make his home in us, to supply us with grace. And then anything in our life that matters, that's important to us, we just simply Bring it to the Lord. But what I want to emphasize is what Brother Nee calls the prayer ministry of the church. It is the prayer that enables God to have his will done on the earth. It enables God to do whatever he desires to do. And we need to understand the thought here. 
Okay, there's a truth underlying this. And we need to gradually have a spiritual understanding of this. When God created the universe, he didn't uh, seek the prayer or the counsel of anyone. Of course, there wasn't anyone around, but even he created the angels first. He didn't need them to, to pray. He just acted on his own. He spoke, and here it is. But that's how it is now. That's not how it is now. When God wants to do something, or really has a strong intention of doing something, he waits until the church prays or saints pray. He will not act alone. So the principle of prayer is that God has a will to accomplish. He makes his will known somehow to members of his body in the prayer meeting, to someone in the prayer meeting. To two or three sisters that are meeting for prayer, he makes it known to them. Or maybe you while you're ironing, while you're doing dishes in your spirit. He does have the sense. There's a need to pray about something. And then... That becomes our prayer. Then the Lord responds to our prayer and does what he wants to do. Now here's a big, wonderful example. As we look back upon the history, especially of Europe and the United States, but other parts of the world, in the last 30 years, it was clear, God made a decision to cause the Soviet Union to disintegrate, to collapse. He wanted to do this. He wanted to open the entire Russian-speaking world for the Lord's recovery. But what happened? We can say the breakthrough was in 1991, but a number of years before that, in the 1980s, a group of brothers in the northwest of the United States are praying con constantly about this for the Lord to open up the Russian-speaking world. And in their prayers, because the most experienced one among them, a brother I just asked him to share. I wanted to learn from him. He said, when we pray, we would inquire of the Lord, this one who is in power, do you want him to remain? Do you think he should remain? We feel he should be removed. And just one after another, major adjustments happened. And then some of them were starting to learn Russian. And then, uh, you know, my wife Tanya was there studying in Moscow at the time. You wake up in the morning, no more Soviet Union. There's just the 15 republics. And wherever you are right now, you'll be a citizen. That's how she became a Russian, although born in Kazakhstan. Well, suppose... No one prayed about this. Will the Lord say, oh, I'm tired of waiting. I'll just cause the thing to fall apart. No, no. He, he established this principle by which he limits himself. And he wants us, the church, to remove the limits by our praying. And so the brothers prayed. The Lord took action. And then Brother Lee is with the Lord. He told us a little, but 
he assured us he was not free to speak about his private life with the Lord. But the Lord impressed on him, go to Russia. Why not go to Russia? Look at the world situation. It's open. So then now, in the work, in the ministry, in the recovery, the minister of the age is receiving this light from the Lord. So then he presents this to the co-workers who are not yes-men. They're going to be honest in the fellowship. Everyone says, Amen. Then there was a conference to present the burden to the whole recovery. And then the move to Russia began. It all based upon that kind of prayer. It's not a matter of how you feel about Russians, whether you think they're going to send missiles and blow us up, or you don't like them or whatever. You get out of that feeling altogether. You have all of these people. Give them a chance, Lord. Give them an opportunity to hear the highest gospel, to see the truth. And it was just amazing what happened. And so this, this is the governing principle. So we were in uh, Malaysia uh, from, for a week, from January 20th to the 27th. And it was there that we began to learn about the coronavirus and where it started, what it was. And there is one brother who's a doctor and he gave more understanding. Then we went to uh, Singapore for a week and there you could just see more is developing. And uh, I hope I can make this clear. It's absolutely necessary to have practical ways of prevention, of limitation, of not exposing yourself if you've been exposed, not exposing others. I fully agree with all the wise medical and practical things to do. This is on the human side. And now I'm just sharing with you from my heart, my my feeling is. And, And I'm getting email after email after email. All necessary. We need to do this. We need to do that. We we cannot have this event. We have this limitation. And uh, all of this necessary, I agree. And a lot of attention was given to that in fellowship. But now for two months, almost two months, this feeling has been building up in me. Where is the prayer? Where is the prayer to carry out God's government and authority in this situation? The enemy is attacking the entire earth. The whole human race everywhere. He has mobilized his army, the principalities and powers that are over all the countries. Who knows? And if that's all we can do is to care for things, again, I say of absolute necessity, okay? Absolute necessity on the human side. Then we're just like the rest of the world. Just like the, anybody else, you follow the latest word from the government. But where is the sense that the source of this virus is the devil, the source of death. And it may be that God, knowing this would happen in China, he might, he might have intended to judge something in China. Maybe he wanted to judge the, the communist government, maybe. Because in the Old Testament, he used the nations to judge Israel when they were degraded, right? But 
the nations went too far. So he judged them and eventually gained them. So that's why today I wrote this sister. I wanted to know about the level of the prayer. It's not there. So you're just asking God, Lord, please do this and please do that. That's good. Please protect us and guide us. Protect all the trainees. But that is not the prayer of power, of authority, of warfare, of government. That is not the kind of prayer that's applying the victory of Christ over the enemy. This is what God needs. And uh, the brothers now need to realize, and I'm willing to be adjusted if I'm misled, if my perception is off, but at least I believe the principle is clear. We can't just uh, wash our hands ten times more and then and not do this and not do that and not go there and maybe not travel and not have this event. Is that all we're going to do? And then cry out to God to have mercy on us and save us? There's a war. There's a war going on. You just imagine what would happen in the spiritual realm if all the churches over the earth realized this. And especially when the sisters hear and receive the direction, like in an army, then they're fully in their prayer ministry. We're going to have a result beyond anything we hoped. But my, my point here is not to try to get into the virus thing. It's to show the necessity of this. Because God will not act unilaterally. The kingdom will not just come because God decides to bring the kingdom to the earth. The Lord told us to pray for it. God's will will not automatically be done in Australia or in the United States or anyone else. He will not just say, I am God. I have authority. My will will be done right now in this situation. He will not do that. Not in this age. He works through the prayer ministry of the church. And the sisters have a very special function here. But they have to be one with the church, under the headship of the church, under the covering, as no doubt Mary was. I don't believe anyone in Acts 12 prayed because they were angry at the Romans. They hated them. And so they're full of feeling. And they learn what Herod did to one of their brothers, one of the apostles. Now their emotion is boiling over. And they pray according to that. God will not hear that. That's the flesh. That, that's the soul life. You can't just pray because you want the Romans to be driven out. You want Israel to have the kingdom. That's soulish. But somehow they were able to pray outside of themselves. Praying for God's government. So we know what happened in the other half of Acts 12. Herod goes to a certain place. There had been a problem with the people there and now they were trying to please him. Everything political. And he's giving a speech. He has his robe on. He's looking so wonderful. The people say the voice of a God, not of a man. Then an angel comes and kills him. So angels just don't go around killing people. The decision was made from the throne in response to prayer to deal with Pharaoh, uh, with Herod. <clears throat> Surely the sisters didn't pray, Lord, kill Herod. Right? I'm not praying for the Lord to kill 
Kim Jong-un. But I'm praying for the Lord to smash the Kim dynasty, to remove it. And again, that kind of prayer, but if the prayer is many crying out, Lord, we're weeping, uh, we're so afraid Peter's in prison, he'll get killed and come after us, and we're just driven with fear, we're panicking, we don't know what to do, we're crying, we're weeping, we're begging you. I mean, that's, that's infantile. That's understandable for a child to pray like that, a spiritual child. Lord, you have a will, you have a kingdom, you are the victor, you are on the throne, you have all authority in heaven and on earth. We're praying to release that. That um, in my travels starting in 1995, uh, I was always alone. I would communicate with home. If there was a need for prayer on one level, it would go to a home meeting. But at other times, I realized it has to go beyond that. And so she, my wife at the time, we just call Sister Lee. Sister Lee just needs to listen for about a minute. Now she's clear. And then she prays. And that settles it. That settles it. And uh, she didn't stand up the next Lord's Day and say, I prayed this mighty prayer over the phone with a sister about something going on in this country with Ron that was threatening it was life-threatening. So I prayed about it. I get a medal. Only God knows, and the two sisters know. But the Father knows. I mean, I wouldn't still be here if there weren't prayers, the prayer ministry. So again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause. You want to, you know, you might just be kind of mulling this and it may not be easy to respond. Anything you want to ask about this or share about this? Because we got uh, 18 minutes and I'm going to use up 16 minutes and then we can pray for two minutes. Then we'll take our coffee. Is that mine? No. No, mine is off. It's okay. (laughs) Okay. Um, On the matter of... uh, a channel of life. Uh, the messages tonight and tomorrow will be on a very familiar subject, apparently. Life and building. And so, uh, what is life? When we talk about life, what are we talking about? Well, let's begin with some of the basic teaching in Brother Lee's book, The Knowledge of Life. It's an old book, but the points are new and fresh. Life is the content of God. So, the Bible speaks of the life of God in Ephesians 4. John, 1 John 5, 11 and 12. God has given to us eternal life. This life is in his Son. He who has the Son has the life. So the life is in the Son. And Paul speaks about the spirit of life. So life is the content of God. To experience life is to experience the content of God. To grow in life is for the content of God to increase in your being. And then Brotherly also says, in the same source, life is the outflow of God. And we see that in the beginning and ending of the Bible, the river flowing there in Genesis 2. Revelation 22, 
we, we all know the river of water of life is proceeding out of the throne. Life is flowing out from God. And in that river is the tree of life. And this is a picture of our eternal experience and enjoyment. Forever unending, new life will be flowing out of God into us. I don't know if there'll be any way of keeping time. Maybe there'll be no time. But after we've been there a billion years, we may say, wow, this is, we never experienced this before. There are no repeats, right? No leftovers that are reheated. Oh, we've been there and done that. I remember 180,000 years ago, we did this. Now it's repeating. I guess the Lord has, it, it will never ever stop and so when we are speaking of being a channel of life we need to realize we're a channel of the content of God the content of God can reach a young person through us just this morning at breakfast I just heard of a brother who calls a young high school brother twice a week and they read the word together. This is not a small thing. This is life flowing from one member to another and that's something practical. You're calling someone and of course the sisters can do this. This is the same as the brother's But what I'm trying to say is that the Lord wants you to have such a being that life is always always flowing out of you. This is how you live. And every day, your life is receiving the flowing in. It flows into you. It flows through you. And it flows out of you. And you may not even know where it's going. When Brother Nee, he was there in what, Anwe province for 20 years, he had no way of knowing what was flowing in the United States when his books were in print or so many parts of the earth. He didn't know what the Lord was doing through Brother Lee. He could only pray. But God knew for 20 years he was there touching life and letting life flow through him into the body. That is the ministry of life. And you have a special portion because you're deeper than brothers and your experience will be deeper. And your love is stronger. So that's going to bring you more and more into contact with the Lord and the divine romance. Your awareness of needs is keener. Your discernment is very sharp and accurate. You may not know what to do about it other than prayer. Well, the brothers will find out what to do about it. We coordinate together. You're aware, and we're aware, then we'll act on it. Then in the book... um, Life in building as portrayed in Song of Songs. <coughs> uh, that's phlegm. I don't have any illness, any disease. I'm not spreading any contaminating elements. It's just a little mucus, okay? Whether it comes from here or here, I don't know. And it's either the first or second chapter when he emphasizes life is a person. It's a person. I remember, and and this is a positive thing, there's one brother, a very faithful co-worker, who went to the Lord in the short period of time he had a certain kind of cancer and shortly he went to the Lord. He was 44. 44. Or maybe 48. 
48. And for some years, wherever he went, you know, he talked about life. Within the scope of what we realized at the time. And I'm not criticizing. I'm just showing where we were at the time. For us, life was a thing. It was like an element. Life is a substance. And Brother Lee was aware of this. So he emphasized life is a person. A person. And this needs to really dawn on us and penetrate us. We have the holy word for morning revival. So what is revival? Revival is an experience in which we receive the dispensing of life by contacting a person who is life. And so we may have morning revival in the sense of going through all that's in those two pages for today's morning revival, but we may not actually have any revival if we're not contacting the Lord himself, a person, a person. And the person is life. So let's just put some verses together. I already mentioned First John 5. 11 and 12, or 10 through 12. God has given us eternal life. This life is in his son. How do you get the life? He who has the son has the life. So this is how we get life. It's not a thing. We don't come to God and he gives us an element called life. God only gives us Christ who is everything. And so this brings together your love for the Lord, your depth, your experiential capacity. And it's focused now on being a channel of life. This involves your realization. I need to know the Lord more. I need to experience the person more. I need to enjoy him more. Because he is the life. So in John 10, 10, he said, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. So here's another aspect. If you are open to it and if you are willing, how did the Lord give us life? What did he do? Okay, he wanted to give us zoe, which God uses that word to refer to eternal life. It simply means life in Greek. But the spiritual meaning is that it's the divine life. The Lord laid down his suke life in order to release the divine life. Well, in principle... This is what mothers are doing all day long. You lay down your being for your children. Right? You will pay any price. You sacrifice anything. It's just not a duty. It's just your being. Right? It's just your being. And now, they may be grown. They may be middle-aged. But inwardly, you're still bearing them. You may be suffering more now than when they were four. It's because... They're in kind of situations. And so the Lord didn't just say, okay, I'm just going to give you life. I'll give you a bottle of life. I have, no, I will give you life by laying down my soul life and releasing the divine life. Then he said, I am the life. Twice. I am the resurrection and the life. <coughs> and... Uh, I am the way, the reality, and the life. And so when we hear expressions like serving the Lord but being a channel of life, 
we need to be advancing in our understanding. That's not a thing. That's not an element. This is the content of God flowing through you. You don't even know where into the church. And you just imagine, and we can only imagine because this is not revealed. You meet the Son of Man just as an ordinary sister, member of the body. You're at the judgment seat of the Son of Man. And he has a detailed record, not that he will show you the record, of how much you supplied life wherever you were. He said, I'm so happy to see you. Do you realize how much life flowed out of you into these young people, into this place, into that place? And the price you paid in this situation released resurrection life for this brother and that brother. Of course you're going to be in the wedding feast. Of course you're going to reign with me in the kingdom and in my joy. I really believe in principle it would be like this. We're not seeking for anything now. We don't want recognition. We don't want appreciation. We don't want praise. Our reward will be then. We just want our very being and our life to be a factor of life being transmitted into the church when it comes to the gospel the brothers announce us a fresh burden for the gospel and we want to save all kinds of people we know there are all kinds of people in Australia but we sure would like to save just some ordinary Aussies you know just some of the some of, the, some, some of our mates that are like this Lord don't you have some chosen ones? Not just all those that migrated here from other countries, those that have been here. And then you pray, and then you release the life that flows out. So this is the contribution that I had this morning. Um, so to summarize just these three lines. And... Uh, there is one principle under which we're all laboring, the sisters in their way, and the brothers in their way. The same principle applies to us all. We must have a spirit of submission, of submission. And Peter, when he's talking about the elders and other ones, he said, be subject to one another. So it doesn't mean, as a brother, I don't live a life of submission. I get some emails about things, important matters, and the brothers mainly have this view. I just have a different feeling. I, I can let them know I have a different feeling, but I also let them know uh, I, I'm just subject to you because this is the corporate feeling in the body. I'm not pretending I don't have this view. But we're living a life of submission. We're not imposing it on you. And, and we are just free to do whatever we want. And that doesn't mean you do everything what a mean and dictatorial husband would do no matter what he says. It's not that. You're not a doormat. You're not to be living under a tyrant. It's just, this is a, a spiritual attitude that there is an authority, there's a throne, there's a government. Christ is the head and I am in subjection to him. And so now I am covered and I can be a channel of life, participate in the ministry of prayer and perceive and supply practical human needs. This is the sisters. We cannot live and serve without you. So can we pray for a couple of minutes? Uh, my watch which I don't trust in, but I think it's fairly accurate. It's 1044. If this, this could just be several.
prayers just to end the meeting in the spirit of prayer. Then we come back. It's not too late to put a question. I told the sister, the deadline is 20 minutes before the end of the next meeting. That's the deadline. <laughs> and, and then we'll have our question and response. And I think brothers will also be allowed to be with us in addition to the brothers that are here covering and protecting me. Okay? So please, let's have some prayers. <laughs>